You're now listening to the Hudson Valley Transmitter Podcast. Adam, patine or pantine? Patine. There's patine. no N. Okay. Everyone does that, though. Uh, yeah, because I was like, I don't want to fuck it up, and I feel like I should know this. Yeah, I don't know. It's a very common thing. It's very strange. But there's no N there. But everyone does it. Pan, Pantane. Pan, Pantane, yeah. yeah. I don't know why, strange. why my mind goes there and adds yeah, my, the N. My boss did it the other day. I was like, have you never said my last name before? Like, I've known, <laughs> known you for me four years. years. <laughs> I don't even know my name. Um, So, you are host of the Dead Radio Podcast. Co-host. Co-host. Ryan I'm will sorry. Be very upset. You're, you're correct. <laughs> I was going to say along with Ryan Bosch, but yes. um, can't forget Ryan. Yeah. Um. So you have a hilarious podcast, which you co-host called it's the debatable, Dead. but yeah. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, and super funny called the dead radio podcast. And, um, m- most recently what, what you're working on, I know you're, you have a million projects going on, but, um, there's Hudson Valley creators fest. And I know mm-hmm. the people from the dead radio podcast are kind of spearheading. Yeah. Or yeah, are spearheading. I mean, it's a hundred percent us. Yeah. Um, it was an idea that we came up with, um, I mean, I like I not to toot my own horn, but it was my idea. Um, and Ryan was like, "That's crazy. Maybe we shouldn't do that." And then I just kind of beat him into doing it into submission. So, um, but it's uh, we ha- we had this idea like we had this huge network of guests that we'd had on the show, yourself included, that are doing all these awesome creative things here in the Hudson Valley. And I felt like we had all of these people that had these tiny little audiences and they were still plugging away. Mm -hmm. And if we just got everybody together, maybe we can build a larger audience and just cross promote. And we've been doing a lot of um, collaborations with a lot of different places. Nomadic Boutique's one of them, they make soap. Um, We're gonna be doing a collaboration with North River Roasters soon. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I I wanna do something. And then I was like, well, we've had, you know, 22 or 23 bands on the show at this point. Wow. So why don't we do a music festival and then have vendors there. And then um, JB over at Darkside, who I approached him because they've done many, many things like this to get some advice. And he's like, get a charity involved. Mm-hmm. So if you get a charity involved, it just greases the wheels for everything. And I was like, that's a great idea. Turns out my friend Ryan O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. he is working for an organization called Heroic Food Inc. Mm-hmm. And they teach veteran sustainable farming here in the Hudson Valley. Very so cool. it's like giving them a cool career path that gives back to the community. So it's a charity that I... I think is very important and really, really great. Mm-hmm. So it, it was kind of a no-brainer going with them the first year. Uh, so it's basically, it's going to be an all-day music festival on May 12th, uh, this coming Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, and all profits are going to go to them. We're going to have beer, wine. Uh, got all that donated, which is amazing. That's awesome, man. Yeah. So Where is it? Uh, so it's uh, 46 Raymond Avenue in Poughkeepsie. Okay. It's right next to Crafted Cup. Okay. And it's that lot there mm-hmm. um, in between the buildings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be there too. We'll have yeah. a, a table there. We're very excited. Uh, who are some of the bands that are going to be there? So uh, our, our lineup, I wish I had it in front of me. Let me see if I can remember it all off the top <laughs> of my head. So we've got a few singer songwriters, um, some of them from Vassar, possibly Brian Rubin, but he's apparently a good baseball player. So he had to give us 
might might have to step away. Okay. Um, but then we have this guy Cornbread, who's very talented. He's actually going to be on our show tomorrow. Cool. Um, or today, or yesterday, depending on when this goes out. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. That's so right. Uh, Monday, but he'll be on the Dead Radio podcast this week. Um, so that's easy to find. Then we've got uh, this guy Oliver Bulger, who's a really really talented singer songwriter. He's got a very Dylan kind of feel to mm-hmm. his music, um, and he's a Vassar student as well. And then we have a band Midway. Uh, they're also Vassar students. And then as far as like the bigger, more established bands, we have uh, Plaid Nation Revival, uh, which is a 90s grunge alternative cover band, cool. Pitch Black Sunrise, NCM, which I think you've probably heard yeah, of them. Uh, they're Beacon guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and who am I forgetting? Mm, they're going to be mad at me. Well, Oh, uh, Frank McGinnis, uh, American Film History. Awesome, That's man. It's, yeah. a, it's a day full of good music. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be... There's, be booze yeah um yeah so it's you know it's it's gonna be it's also gonna be um uh family friendly so don't just think that because there's beer you can't bring the kids Uh, we're gonna have some face painting cool um there's gonna be a pet rescue there uh so that's pretty cool there'll be puppies (laughs) and it's all for a good cause yeah for sure so um it's going to be great. We're, we're yeah. ex- really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, that. I'm looking forward to it. And especially just to, you know, like the podcasts that are going to be in attendance, just getting like a few more listeners out of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just every every little bit incrementally just helps, you know. When did uh, – so you guys are pretty uh, – kind of segueing into the show because I want to talk about the show and like the origins of the Dead Radio podcast. So how – you guys are pretty prolific. You have – Almost 160. Yeah, we're episodes? we're like 155, 156 somewhere uh, around there. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's just a guess. I, I know we're around that range, but it's, it's hard a lot keep, hard to keep track. It's, yeah, it's just a plugging away every episodes. week. I mean, this yeah. is uh, fuck. I only I'm in the 20s. Yeah, I'm still in the 20s, and I I'm losing track of the numbers. Mm-hmm. But um, I've only done 20 of them, and you know I, I don't crank them out as frequently as mm-hmm. uh, you guys do. Um, but it's a lot of work. You know, to yeah, do it for sure. Who is the who is the um, who had the initial idea? Ryan, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of just glommed onto it because it sounded fun. Um, and then, you know, we didn't really get serious about it until we'd been doing it over a year. Right. Um, but we just kind of did it because, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was a radio engineer and he really wasn't happy with what he was doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he just needed some sort of a creative outlet because he wasn't in bands anymore because he didn't have time because you have to dedicate so much and yeah. you know that i mean right. i've never played in bands but i see how much work it is and uh he needed some kind of creative outlet and for me it was just all i did was work and watch tv yeah you know so i was like i i want to do something too so you know i'd love to do that with you and he was just like oh okay sure <laughs> <laughs> and you know then we just started doing it it was just you know a year of just us drinking in a basement every week right. and we were doing things kind of intermittently and not really like not really committing and then um i just you know he he just kind of said like i want to take a break i'm not sure if you know this is working we want right. to do it and then i kind of got the idea of like i was like let's just reach out to some local bands and we'll get some guests in here because we yeah. used to have to like beg our friends to come on to try and like make it work yeah. and i think you came on in the early days yeah i think and I it was just you know it was just kind of kind of a kind of a shit show well <laughs> yeah. i mean it's i think you guys yeah. together are hilarious thank you i think um i think you guys are like an old kind of comedy duo almost mm-hmm. where ryan's the more yeah. animated guy and you're like kind of bring him down so yeah, you have yeah. a nice balance of um you know your your comedic styles yeah you know what i mean and do, I, you, do you view it as a comedy show 
For sure. Uh, yeah. It's gotten a lot more serious, um, especially that we started, because going back to what I was saying before, the thing, the big thing that changed was bringing in guests every week, um, local people doing things in the Hudson Valley. And especially, like, the first one, I think, was Shadow Witch. They're a local hard rock band out yeah, of Kingston. Like Stone, Stone yeah, they're kind of like Sabbath-y, yeah, metal like kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're really great. And I just said, like, hey, so I reached out to Shadow Witch. They're coming on the show. And that was a big turning point because we were like, we can actually do this. Right. You know, we had six people in the studio, and we'd never done that before. And um, Ryan is really bad at most things, but he's very, <laughs> very good at interviewing bands. And I don't think he realized that mm-hmm. until we started doing that. And like they left, and we were like, "Holy shit, that felt really good." You know, maybe we should do more of that. Yeah. And now we're booked out like six weeks at a time That's because, great. just because you know, people are like, "Oh yeah, my friend came on the show and they had such a great time. I'd love for you to interview." You know, like so, people are reaching out to us. Yeah. So so yeah. now instead of um, you kind of scouring around mm-hmm. for for people, people are starting to reach out to yeah. you because as yeah. the show's mm-hmm. following grows. Yeah. And you know we're we're still obviously still not seeing the numbers that we want. Right. We're never we're never going to see the numbers that we want. You know we want millions. Of, we want to be Joe Rogan podcast someday. But you know well, we, uh, we're happy concentrating hard local. And that was what the mistake that we were making in the beginning was. You know talking about some mass shooting or talking about an election right. or something like that. Which is and a it's national just, story. Nobody wants to hear us yeah. talk about that. We're never going to gain our audience doing that. Mm. So concentrating local has really led to the show being sustainable and fun and different every week and then also turning into things like creator fest yeah um yeah people in the hudson valley take great pride in things that come from the hudson Mm -hmm. valley you know so definitely and same same with my show that's the only kind of uh limitation is that the it's creative minds from around the hudson valley Mm -hmm. you know i try to keep it local as well and, but I think it's important too, like the cross promotion, but it, it takes time to build a brand because you ultimately, that's what you're doing, right? You're building yeah. a brand and nobody knows what it is at first. So you have to tell them what it is and mm-hmm. have to keep putting it out there. But you, you mentioned like Rogan, like how long did Rogan go and nobody knew who the fuck he was? Yeah, he just blew up one day. You know, I mean, like he was a famous guy, so he started off you know doing he started off with much more right. but he was in he he was at the ground floor you know now like two years ago when we'd start doing doing podcasts i would still get what is a podcast and right. now it's like oh where can we find your podcast yeah you know uh, so it's it's definitely easier now um and i you know it, it it is tough when you go like oh that was an awesome show and then you see 17 views on youtube you know but you yeah. just got to keep plugging away and then eventually you'll get there and i think that that doing events like this where we're showing we're not doing it to get famous we're not doing even to make money right we're doing it because we enjoy it and we think that we have something to offer to listeners yeah you know and and it's a lot of freaking work you know what i mean it's nice to finally to get the appreciation you know especially from people like you and other of our peers in this kind of world like Oh, I checked out the last show. It was so great. Yeah. You know, when you interviewed whoever, that was so cool. Um, and that's that's been the rewarding part, you know. I mean, do you think podcasts are even really scratching the surface or uh, have really reached its full potential of people knowing what a podcast is and tuning in and listening to podcasts? Because I find a lot of people that are even technical, technically minded, like – don't realize they have a podcast app on their phone still. Yeah, I, I, that's my favorite thing. It's just like, do you have an iPhone? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, it's the purple thing you've never used. Right. The purple podcast app. It's already on your phone. 
Because and feel then like... click click click. And you know the thing is, it's like to that person, I know that person's never going to listen. Right. But I go, you know, give me your phone, I'll do it for you. Now that person subscribed, it downloads their phone and every week. Update and then. You know, and they'll get a notification and then maybe they'll go, oh, you know what, I'll check it out. Right. So and I, you know, I think that we've really strived to have the show sound as professional as possible. And that's all Ryan. He's the audio engineer. And I listen to our show and then I listen to, you know, your mom's house podcast or Joe Rogan's podcast. Mm -hmm. And I think that our sounds just as professional, which I love. You know, and then I get like I listen to some podcasts that have millions of subscribers, and it sounds like they're recording oh, yeah, in like, like a in like a, a shipping container. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think I mean if you have a good product mm-hmm. and you have entertaining conversations and entertaining guests, people are just more and more going to tune in. Yeah, you know, that's just kind of how it is. I think anything like anything, it's persistence. Like you hear yeah. about a band that like fucking White Zombie, for example. I like White mm-hmm. Zombie. They played in New York City for like a decade. Nobody knew the fuck White Zombie was. And then they had their hit album and then, you know, everything took off. But it took a lot of persistence and a lot of keep going, going, like even if there's three people in the audience, you know. Yeah, if you're you're not willing to put that time in when nobody's listening, you're never going to get there. And I think that at first I viewed those, those times as a failure. And now I realize that was just giving us the time to develop a sound right and start to become more professional that's absolutely true too because if you had if you started off like right off the bat you know think of how much you've probably improved i'm sure you've improved from your first show to now our first 10 episodes are not available (laughs) you can't listen to them oh yeah took them down no we never put them up oh you never put them up they were that good yeah they were oh just (laughs) me like and especially because like hold on i'm I'm having some tangled yeah it's like a (laughs) labyrinth yeah um, I'm now used to like this fancy boom <laughs> like arm <a> comedian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, yeah, the first 10 episodes, we, we never even planned on putting them up. We said, let's just do some, some, and we'll listen back and we'll see how it is. And then like, and we didn't even know how to get them up at yeah. that time. You know what I mean? We were using like, like, you know, free podcast hosting services and like trying to get your RSS feed on iTunes and you, you know, you've done all that. It's a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and there's no one out there to just tell you these are the steps that you need to do. You just have to figure it out. I so just, our first, our first 10 episodes was the first half kind of funny. And then the second half, just me really drunk yelling about <laughs> something. Right. <you> know? <laughs> so he, he did like a cut, like a super cut of the first 10 episodes. It's like the best clips from those 10 episodes. And it's out of those 10 episodes. I think that episode's an hour long. Wow. So. Whereas normally we're doing over two hours you now. Let's do like marathon yeah. show. Yeah, yeah we uh, I'm, and the thing that I like about our show the most um, is that we don't edit anything. Well, it's yeah. live. Yeah, you it do live. streams live on on YouTube. And yeah. what happens on the show is the podcast. You that's don't it. Yeah, cut anything yeah. out. You know, nothing at all. It. And and that started off as like, well, we don't have the time investment to cut it up, and then it kind of turned into we just treat it like a live show, and it sometimes fails. But most of the time you get it's more honest, like that second half, like after the first break, the guests really loosen up and it becomes like, you know, now everybody knows each other. We we have a few things in common. We've maybe disagreed on a couple of things, agreed on a couple of things. Everybody's more comfortable. It's more friendly. And if we cut the show up, I feel like that would be less genuine. No, it's true. It's definitely an honest representation of the conversation that happened. Uh, Do you think like. When you interview people, 
obviously it's easier i would say if you know like obviously yeah. i know you oh, yeah, sure. i know you yeah. so well you know, this I, is the third time we've done something like this right so it's easy like we just sat down and started talking exactly and then you're like i should hit record otherwise we're going to miss good stuff exactly you know? but uh like some people you know it's also because it's you record in ryan's house mm -hmm. and then a lot of people i'm assuming you never met prior to interviewing <laughs> Quite them a few, yeah so you're just kind of inviting strangers mm -hmm. into your house and you have yeah. a, and you were saying before about the boom arm mic i mean yeah. you guys have a incredible yeah. setup down there it's like a professional yeah, we studio have built on a wing and a prayer <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's awesome it's yeah it's well the legit. funny thing is is like those boom arms they seem so professional twenty dollars on amazon you yeah. know they're great <laughs> you know you don't have to I've, I've learned a long time ago um especially in my photography career spending the most money is not it's always not, the best thing you, you need to you need to figure out the things that you need to spend money on like mics and a board and then all the little bullshit like you can do yourself you know, and those those boom arms are awesome. We're gonna get yeah. four more of them as soon as we can afford it. Yeah, I need to yeah. fucking rearrange this setup, man, because yeah. it's uh, it's a little cramped. Mm -hmm. But it's yeah, bare bones. Like you have two yeah. fucking mics, two cheap stands, yeah. and a cheap ass mixer. Yeah, and it's again, all like, you really need. Yeah, and you know, I uh, like I do pride like how professional our podcast sounds, and your sounds great too. And it doesn't take a lot. And I, like I've seen people that are doing it on an iPad. Yeah with USB mics and stuff and a tiny little mixer and it sounds awesome. The mic is the big thing. You know what you got to get good. These are Behringer mics. Yeah, we're using Shure's. Yeah, Shure's are like the studio standard. Yeah. Like those are yeah. legit mics. These are fucking cheap $20 mics. Yeah. But they sound okay. That's why mm -hmm. I keep using them. It sounds good in my ear. But <laughs> um so um you when I when I first started this, man, I just fucking looked up shit on YouTube. Yeah. I just fucking googled like or youtubed how to start a podcast mm -hmm. and yeah you know figured Just out the rss it. feed and shit have you know. you been, how long have you been doing this well i've been doing it for a year and a half ish mm -hmm. but i took like six months off yeah because I was writing screenplays yeah, yeah. and i was working on other shit and it just was like too much and mm -hmm. you know i don't i do it myself so i didn't i just didn't have the time you know and we were talking before like you know you have the people come upstairs sometimes it's a little awkward because we this is upstairs in my house yeah. so you know you walk past the dirty laundry in the bedroom <laughs> and stuff it's like a little awkward but um also it's some people say though it's they feel a little more comfortable in the house for mm -hmm. some reason it's a little more cozy than like yeah. an office that maybe like a little more stuffy yeah like here you can you know have a beer hang out relax it's a little more laid back um yeah. See, we have, yeah, we, we have that too. It's kind of like, it's in the basement, you know, in Ryan's basement. And then sometimes going back to like you're saying, we don't, we've never met the people and the always, always the indicator of the guest has never listened to the show is when they notice that there's a giant black dildo in the middle of the table. <laughs> They're <laughs> they just like, oh, mortified. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. And you're like, well, if you'd listened to literally any episode, you would have known. Do your homework. Come on, man. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I think the the most bizarre uh, introduction that I've had here was um, the comedian Ryan Danisco. He's a very mm -hmm. funny local comedian. And uh, he walked in the first time. I never met him before. And he was carrying a bust of Abraham Lincoln with him. Really? Yeah. Okay. And he's so proud of it. And he's like, <laughs> look what I have. And he's like, you want to take... Like a, like a big one? Like a... Uh, it was like, you know, yeah. yay big. Yeah. Um, we have we have one in the studio actually, but it's, it's small though. It's like a bookend. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but he he was like, I just stole this. Uh, <laughs> <do you> <laughs> <laughs> 
He's like, do you want to take a picture with it? And I was like, fuck no, man. That's Not evidence. Really. Like, <laughs> it's like, you, you just stole a car. You want to photograph me so you could frame me or something. And, um, but no, it was like some inside joke where he was like, he stole it from a friend's house, his friend's parents' house. He was like going to replace it with a bust of George Washington and see if they noticed mm-hmm. or something. It was more like inside joke. I didn't, I didn't really grasp at the time, but it was for a little off putting to meet him for yeah. the first time. <laughs> but yeah, you meet some interesting people for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I think most of our guests are usually surprised by us more than the other way around. Yeah. But I, I kind of want to have that guy on my show now. Oh, he's great. You should. I, I think <laughs> yeah. I was supposed to uh, introduce you guys. Yeah. And I totally did That's not okay. do that. <laughs> like I said, we're we are, we we have more people wanting to come on the show than we yeah. want to have than than want to listen to it. <laughs> That's a good feeling though, yeah. man, because you know people are tuning in and mm-hmm. um, you know they they want to be a part of what you're doing. Yeah. Which is cool. Oh, you know what I just realized? I forgot Logan Callahan is going to be playing. He'd be oh. so mad if he was listening to this, and God, I did they not. they forgot about me. Yeah, Logan. He's a, he's a good friend of the show. Um, so the Creators Fest, mm-hmm. uh, and that is it's such a cool idea because you get, you're bringing all these people together, and um, they could help promote each other. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's, it's a cool idea. It's... It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope we're so. definitely stoked yeah. to do it. I, right now, we we finally got everything worked out. We've got all our permits. We've got our beer and wine license. Damn, We've man. got all that, that stuff. Been a lot of work. It was a lot, and and I got to give Ryan credit because I really did give him like the real shitty parts. But <laughs> he, he, he delegated the yeah, shitty tasks he, to Ryan. Yeah, because well, so I'm I'm Wayne in Wayne's World too, and, and he's, he's Garth, Garth <laughs> in Wayne's World too. So it's like permits and licenses, ah. Ryan. So. I put him on that because I was like, it makes more sense that I handle vendors because I do all the booking for the show. So I have all their all these contacts that he does not have. He has access to the email, but he doesn't have the you know the he, a little hot he doesn't have the people skills. Let's, oh yeah, yeah, sure. Are, are you, it's a little warm in here, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm listening. Oh yeah, <laughs> so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, so he. Um, He's very good at what he does, which is sit in a basement and cut up audio. Yeah. But he is not a people person. Like, I, <laughs> he had like a tough interaction. I won't name names, but he, I was like, yeah, bring him a vendor packet. See if they want a sponsor. And he was just like, I just totally fucked that up. Like, I'm just not good. It's hard to talking. do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, I did so. it um, with the magazine when I had that. I would sell advertising, and mm-hmm. I'm totally not that guy. Yeah. But you just got to kind of walk in and introduce yourself and be like, mm. you know, hey, I'm selling this thing. Yeah. Do you want to? I mean, I, I know that is a sponsor. It's a little bit different than selling yeah. an ad, but similar concept of just walking in and yeah. give me to money. Someone. Yeah. The, these are the benefits for giving me money. It's, yeah. it's tough. It's very tough. You know, and we, we've had a hell of a time, like a lot harder time than I thought because I've done some charity events in the past, um, but most of them were for American Cancer Society. Mm. And that's really easy. As soon as you say it's for the American Cancer Society, they go, okay, yeah. and they whip out their checkbook and they give money because it's a legitimate charity that they've heard of. They know they're going to be able to write it off on their taxes. Mm-hmm. And the benefit for them isn't so much other than saying, yes, I gave to the American Cancer Society this year. But for what we're doing now, it's like it's a, it's a lesser, music festival. You know. It's a smaller charity you've never heard of. Right, right. So when we did this stuff for the American Cancer Society, uh, you know, I went to... I won't say who, but a local beer distributor. And, you know, it's one of the bigger ones. 
And we went to them and we were just like, so we're doing this benefit. We were hoping to get some beer donated. And they said, sure. And they sent us three kegs and the big trailer. Wow. You know, and it was just no problem at all. And now I do it for this event and they're kind of like, well, it kind of sounds like you're gearing more towards craft beer. So it would be weird if we gave you mm. Budweiser. I'm like, I don't care. Give me whatever you want to yeah. give me. You know, people will pay three or four dollars for a Budweiser. That's fine. I'm not picky when it comes to that. The only place that I'm picky is the vendors. You know, I wanted the vendors to all be local creators. But yeah. If we have corporate money going to a charity, that I don't see a problem with that, you know. So it was just much more of a challenge because people are a little bit weirder about it. Whereas like this charity, every single dollar is going directly to veterans. Yeah. You know? Like you think- Ryan Ryan worked this job for almost I think almost two years without taking a salary. You know, like that's how committed they are so it was just strange to me like it was a lot harder than i expected you know but we've we've got our sponsors now so it's yeah man i can only imagine that's got to be a tremendous amount of work um but you guys really pulled it together well it hasn't happened yet well i mean (laughs) but i mean everything that you've done so far i mean it's yeah i think i think as long as it doesn't pour all day we'll it's going to be a good turnout because especially be awesome. proximity to Vassar College, it's during their study week, so they didn't have classes all week. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they just had Founders Day this weekend. Now they got the whole week to recover, and now hopefully they'll be ready yeah. to party again on Saturday. Yeah, spring's here. Everyone yeah. wants to go out and drink like I did last that's, night. Yeah, that's the whole yeah. bottle May, of vodka. Yeah, May 6th, everybody is not feeling good. <laughs> I was not feeling good today. I drank, I think, a whole growler of... Uh, Cousins IPA, you know, Cousins uh, down in Wappingers. They yeah. just opened up. Drank a whole growler of that, a couple of gin and tonics, and nice. a couple more beers on top of that, probably. I don't really remember the walk home, let's put it that way. <laughs> I've had that, those yeah. nights. Yeah, uh, I drank uh, Viskill Vodka, mm-hmm. which I, I drank the whole bottle, and it's uh, no hangover, man. I yeah. mean, like, I, I'm feeling sluggish now, like a little tired because I didn't sleep that much. Mm-hmm. But like in terms of like the pounding headache, I don't really yeah. have that going on. You just on gotta too stay much. hydrated. Yeah, that's what it is with beer. Yeah, there you go. Well, Heineken's <laughs> water. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean it's true though. Like Ryan played in bands, mm-hmm. so his musical knowledge ties into what you're doing on the show. You have a lot of musicians on the show. Yeah. He's an audio, you know, engineer, and um, it's interesting what you're saying too. Like this is his band now. Yeah. And that's how I feel about this because I, I did music for a long time. And uh, when I stopped doing that, I needed something to do. And I started this just hmm. because I was like, what the fuck? I'll try it. This is way cheaper than playing in a band. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure, man. Yeah. And yeah, um, you don't need a van. You don't need tons of equipment. It's like a few hundred bucks worth yeah. of stuff and a halfway no, decent computer. No touring. Yeah. Just sit here. Yeah, they come luxury to Luxury in my... Yeah. <laughs> Well, people yeah. have asked me to do remote. Do you guys do remote shows? We do occasionally. We um, actually, our claim to fame probably was we did a remote interview with Sponge. Oh, that's the, right. At the chance. That was great. Great yeah, video, was, too, of that show. We <laughs> It would have been better if we could do it again because we were so nervous. You know, and that like that's a legit famous band. You know, they're not all that popular now, but I mean, I, they I were like huge. Them. Yeah. You know? the 90s and um, to meet them was so awesome. And to watch Bosch just bumble. And just repeat himself and ramble, ramble, ramble because he just he was so nervous. Yeah. And you just you know you have this huge band and they're just all staring at you as you're talking. It was a lot. It was a big deal, you know. And then they let me shoot video on stage. Yeah, that seemed yeah. really cool. So it seemed like so really fun, cool guys. Yeah. Do you think uh, we're picking up the chainsaw or whatever the fuck 
Is, uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> well, I don't hear it in the headphones. Open, yeah. I wonder if people hear that on the show. Cause sometimes like people holler and like mm-hmm. people cut the grass and like there's some kind of fucking chainsaw going yeah. on or a cop will pass. Mm-hmm. I wonder. I mean, I know it picks it up. I hear it sometimes, mm-hmm. but I just, I'm wondering if people are really listening. And say, I don't. What the hell I is think that? it's fine. I mean, on our show, we got Bosch's stupid dog barking all the time. <laughs> dog is so dumb. <laughs> like but, trying to get us to play with him while we're doing a show. <laughs> Not now. Yeah. Um, but that's that was a really cool video that seemed like an awesome concert, and yeah. um, I, I get like that too. It's weird. With musicians, I get the same way. Like, not uh, nervous, I guess. Yeah. Talking, yeah. Because uh, someone you respect so much, you know. Um, and I sometimes, I mean, I'll, I'll get nervous. Like, I do cue cards. When I first started, I would do write out questions. Yeah. And it just seemed too strict, to like too rigid. Yeah. So now I just do uh, kind of topic points because mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be like grasping at like yeah. for things to, to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I'm sure like you were saying, you had an interview with the Shadow Witch mm-hmm. and you you knew when, when they left that like this was a good interview. Yeah. Um, and it's got to feel great when you have a good interview, yeah, you really sure. gel with someone like that. You know, you guys are or girls and, you know, whomever like get along, you have a great conversation. Has there been any awkward conversations? You don't have to mention name, name, names. <sighs> There's but, like been... anyone where you're like talking to them and you're like in your mind, this is not. This is not working. Well. Um, it's definitely happened. You know, there's, there's some people where, you know, you're interviewing them and they're kind of giving you like one word answers and like, it's, we haven't had like a real bad one yet, but it's going to happen. I mean, it's, it has to happen. I mean, I think probably, well, anything that that's awkward that happens, like we usually just call it out, like not let it be weird. That's, um, well, well, diffuse it right away. Yeah. And you know, and it's ultimately, if it's awkward and you can turn it into something like self-deprecating, right. it's going to help. Like, for instance, do you remember Rock and Steve on WPDH uh, way yes. back in the I day? I know you had him on the show. Yeah, we yeah. had him on a little while ago. And before like before that, we had Mikey from Coop and Mikey, and you know he's big jock in the area. We had him on the show like a year ago, and then he wanted to come back with Rock and Steve. And on his episode, I said Rock and Steve was on the spectrum before there was a spectrum. And... I thought that was a funny joke, but Rock and Steve did not like that. that He did not like that at all. Okay. So he, I mean, he came and he called me out on it and I was like, you know, I was joking. Like, we're cool. He's like, that's fine. But I had to say something. And then I was like, cool. You could have said it on air. So he's like, oh, okay. And then he says it on air like 15 minutes later. And it was really (laughs) funny. But it's just like you normally, you know, you have the butt of your joke now on your show confronting you. It was hilarious. It was great. And makes for for good radio. And it was, it was. It could have podcast. been super awkward if I took it the wrong way, yeah. you know, or if he was really mad about it, not just, but I mean, he's, he's used to being the butt of the joke. That's kind of his job. You know what I mean? That's his character. So it's just yeah. weren't, weren't vibing on that one thing. Didn't, yeah, yeah. didn't really understand <laughs> yeah, each just, other. He's like, I feel like I got to call you out on this. I was like, cool, man. I can't do a rock and Steve impression. Bosh, <laughs> Bosh can do a great rock and Steve impression, but, uh, um, but the name, the name dead radio. So you're saying that radio is dead so that's a hundred percent ryan's wife brooke came up with that okay name cool um and uh i i think that's that's kind of what we're taking away from it but you know i think at the time like it you know zombies were really big and stuff like that so mm. it could have been part of that but i you know i'd have to, i'd love to pick her brain about what you know what she was thinking when she came up with it but it just it really fits yeah and then you know 
I uh, with the branding, which I have tattooed on my arm yes. now. Yes. <laughs> um, Walking advertising. Yeah. Uh, you know, I took that name, and I tried to think of you know what I could pull from that and the first thing that i did was like look for a good font and i found a font online that was free to use you know we donated to the to the artists and we can use it for whatever we want and actually funny enough it's uh it's a knockoff of like the 28 days lettering Mm. right and if you watch hoarders buried alive on netflix Mm. they're using the same font which i think is hilarious interesting (laughs) yeah so then i did this logo which is a biohazard symbol made out of radio towers yeah it's really cool you know and i thought that was kind of neat and it's like a it's like a cool logo for us and even though we don't actually broadcast that's where this all came from and that's what inspired it you know like we grew up listening to you know wpdh morning show wrv and you know opie and anthony especially right down in the city back when they were on new right hilarious and uh so our roots are very much in traditional radio like our influences but then we're also like i would never do like a corporate radio show you know, so it's kind of like that that media is dead and podcasting is where it's at. And I think that that's kind of th- that's at least the way we explain it to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because we were younger. There was there was no podcast. No. So, I mean, yeah, I was definitely I mean, like Stern and mm-hmm. Opie and Anthony. I mean, those guys are pioneers. And yeah, um, yeah, I, t- I took it kind of to mean that, you know, terrestrial radio is dead or is dying. Yeah. yeah. My my podcast, too. Uh, transmitter is a yeah. radio transmitter, mm-hmm. so it kind of is a homage to the terrestrial yeah. radio too. <clears throat> Although I think it kind of sounds like an STD <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> uh, especially HVT. But everything here has got that HV, so yeah. they, they all kind of sound like STDs. Yeah, <laughs> sure do. <laughs> yeah, the V could be venereal, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. When I started this too, uh, the tra- like even the the logo is like a, a microphone. The transmitter is a radio transmitter, um, but at some point maybe um, might have to rebrand. Yeah, and I you know I think we well I'm not going to rebrand because it's tattooed on my arm, but <laughs> but you know I might like change up the font a little bit or do something a little bit different going forward. Um, but I think you know we've we've really kind of solidified our branding in i'm actually not even wearing a dead radio shirt today i usually how dare you um but like the stark black and white you know very very simple yeah and then we've you know we've done we did um a collaboration with ryan brown who's a local comic book artist Mm -hmm. and he did a logo for us so we went that for a while but i think it's always going to circle back to the you know original black and white you know transmitter biohazard yeah it pops man the white pops on the black for sure and um i think excuse me i think you just have to well like with branding just kind of beat it into people's heads oh yeah for sure you know once they see it and they'll recognize it and be like oh yeah those guys are hilarious i love listening (laughs) to ryan and adam yeah and their crazy hijinks (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i mean like those those kinds of things are my big contribution to the show i mean like it used to when we first started out yeah i did the logo but i just showed up i never prepared anything and i would just be adam in Ryan's basement and you know that wasn't really sustainable so I said okay here's what we need to do to kick it to the next level and I started getting really really diligent about the social media making videos booking out you know guests for more content it and you know you book out a guest it's just easier right you know it's not just he and I you know Ryan and I have known each other for almost 20 years you know so it's like 
what the hell are we going to talk about? You know, yeah. now we work together too. So we just spend 50 hours a week together. <laughs> you know? So it's like, how are we going to talk about anything that we haven't talked about already? Do you fight? Um, he gets really passive aggressive and then I go, what's <laughs> up, man? And then we talk about it and then, then it's over. And you make up. Yeah. Uh, we don't really fight. We kind of bicker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just, we're like a married couple that's not unhappy enough to break up, but like, <laughs> there's just enough there that we're just like you know fuck you man come on (laughs) you know and he he gets pissed off at me for like the dumb shit that i do but you know i i have no complaints but usually the conversation it's like every three months it's like are you pissed at me well and then we have the little conversation yeah you guys spent a lot of time together between the show and working together yeah well (laughs) i always say i convinced him to leave a lucrative career to come and work in a coffee shop with me and concentrate on the podcast, which is kind of what happened. What's uh, wh- Where do you want to s- see the podcast go? I mean, like, what's your goal? Ideally, I'd like to make a living doing it. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if that's really feasible, but, I mean, if we get to the point where we're making $15,000, $20,000 a year each, you know, then it's, it's more conceivable that you could have a part-time job and do that. Um, but we've also talked about ways to branch out potentially doing like live concert recordings, integrating some of the video stuff that I've been doing with that. It's just right now we haven't had any time to really concentrate on that. Yeah. Like we have a couple of full concerts that we've recorded and haven't been able to do anything with just because of sheer time. You know, cutting together a concert with two camera angles and audio from three sources, that's going to take a week. So like yeah. for local bands, like music video yeah. type yeah. stuff? So Or even just like, you know, if you're a local band and... You know, the honestly, the way to get discovered now is put your shit on YouTube and have it go viral. You know, so if you get a good good concert video, people see that you're good live. Maybe they'll come see you. Maybe they'll tell somebody. Maybe it'll go somewhere. So, you know, to a lot of bands that are doing fairly well locally, that would be worth a thousand dollars. You know, or Definitely. if you just want to do a music video, you know. So I think that that could turn into something lucrative, but it's just it's very much in its infancy. So that's something we've talked about. And then there's also you know doing events like Creator Fest. You know, eventually that could, you know, if we put on five or six of those a year in different locations for different charities, that could be something that we could eventually pull a salary from. But, um, you know, just we don't know yet. Ideally, we want 10 million subscribers and then we'll be fine. <laughs> well, I can't believe, man, fucking Rogan, he makes a hundred grand per episode. Uh huh. And he does three a week. <laughs> does three a week. <laughs> yeah. And does do you know like what his staff is like? Does he have a big he's, staff? No, he's got like one guy. He's got the research yeah. guy that yeah. looks shit up. Yeah. He's pro- I'm assuming he has an engineer and somebody that sells I advertising. Think, I, I mean I would imagine there's gotta be a couple people in the back end that are selling advertising, but when you're that big, people are coming to you. That's right. You know? I mean it definitely regardless of what it looks like on the back end, he does have the feel of, you know, the host, a guest, and a producer, and that's it. Right. So it's an intimate. Yeah. Um, setup. And I, the, it, to do that is it's very possible that it's just the three the three people in that room, and that's it. You know what I mean? So that means how much you think he's is walking away from? from I mean, that well, grand? the other what's his name? Is it Sam? I don't remember. Jimmy uh, or what something like that. It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't matter. I, I listen to it all the time, but um, you know he's got to be paying him a living wage. And then he doesn't pay his guests anything. Well, they, you know, just, they just get the promotion. Yeah. yeah, that's what. They and get. you know, so he's probably he's probably making millions doing that show. He does he stand get, he up gets, too, man. Yeah, he gets more people watching, more people download the Joe Rogan podcast than watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, 
It's fucking huge. You know, that's huge. nuts. It's number two, right? Something like that, I think. It's like the second. Yeah. Um, I forget what the first is. But, um, it's probably something dumb. I forget <laughs> so, what it it's is. It's probably a sports thing, if I were to guess. <laughs> but I mean, like, you listen to, like, your mom's house podcast. They have, I think he said one time, it's like, more people are checking this out than Letterman. Yeah. You know? And that guy's making a half a billion dollars a year. Right. You know? So I think at some point people are going to look at that. And right now, the market's very saturated, but nobody's making money except for the top 20 or 30 people. You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of people that make a living, but you're not making millions. Right. And we're not looking to make millions. We don't think that that's ever going to happen. But if we can make a comfortable living doing this, I'll I'll put out a show three or four days a week. Oh, yeah. If that's the case. Do you know of any podcasts that are just making, you know, like a decent living wage just doing yeah. podcasts yeah i mean like i check out a couple like there's one called uh anything ghost which is just listener submitted ghost stories like That's cool like real like real in quotes um i'm not a believer. i'm not a believer sorry um but uh you know they just submit it and the guy the host just reads them and he makes a comfortable living doing that show and that's a monthly podcast that's crazy you know and then you have like lore Lore is another one that's kind of kind of in that same vein, but um, they just went big because uh, Amazon made a TV show based mm-hmm. on the podcast, so it and it's just promoted it. Yeah, like researching like monster stories and stuff like that, and you know, like werewolves in France in the 1700s. Hey, are you gonna do at the Creators Fest um, a podcast of the event? So I'm probably gonna do something, um, especially because we just found out that Dark Side very big thanks to everyone at dark side is going to be running most of our audio so that's going to free up ryan for most of the day cool um another thing there's gonna be music playing so we're not really going to be able to do a ton yeah but i am at the very least going to go around and do a quick interview with every vendor and maybe turn that into a show because i was thinking of doing some i don't have a road gear but yeah. I was doing maybe like a lapel mic and record it on my iPhone or something. But I didn't yeah. want to step on your toes. By uh, no, no, no. I for me, my day for the most part, I've I've designed it so that I've put a lot of well, not just me. I mean, there's a huge support system, especially you know my girlfriend Amy is doing all the volunteers. Brooke is handling sponsorships, and she's going to be kind of running the day to day. And then Amy's going to be running the volunteers that day. So they've been a huge help. Um, TJ from Arlington has it, which is a local organization that that does a whole bunch of stuff in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, he's helping us out a lot. So we, we have a great support system. And because of that, I'm going to be able to say, I don't have a job today. My job today is to film, take pictures, interview people, be in the dead radio booth as much as I can, and just kind of hobnob around and meet people and hopefully build this into a bigger thing for next year. Cool. And now that Ryan isn't going to be just stuck at a board all day, yeah. I can have him help with that. Do so, you, yeah, do you want to make it an annual? Yes. Yeah, that's, that, that's been the plan it? the whole time. The The idea was um, for the first year, we'd see how it goes. And if it was at least slightly successful, we would roll it out next year, possibly with a different charity. So a different charity each year, which could kind of change the theme each year. So this year we have a couple of booths, and obviously they're not creators, but they're doing great things for veterans organizations. So we have Heroic Foods going to have a booth, and the Hudson Valley Veterans Alliance is going to have a booth. Um, And then next year, let's say our charity is like a pet rescue. We'd have a whole bunch of stuff like that. Or if it's a cancer charity, we'd have a whole bunch of stuff related to that. So it'll kind of tweak the theme a little bit every year, get a little bit of a different demographic, and hopefully build from there. (sighs) Yeah, 
it's going to be really cool, man. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know what we're we just going to give stuff out. We're going to give stuff out and talk to people. I was hoping to yeah interview some of the bands. Yeah, and because um, a lot of them you know, I'll be meeting for the first time. Mm-hmm. And uh, who do so any of the uh, vendors come to mind that are that'll be there? You said so. Yeah, I mean. Uh, w- our very first one, so she was the first one to sign up and the first one to give us a deposit was uh, Corey at Nomadic Boutique. They make uh, handmade soaps. Oh, cool. So that might not sound like a great podcast thing, but we had them on our show and it's one of our best performing episodes on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably because we just put like hashtag Fight Club. <laughs> but uh, yeah, That's so nice. she she's a great interview. She's an awesome person. She works at Dreaming Goddess right next door. Oh, yeah. Um, it's right by Crafted Cup. Yep. Yep. I right, close so, this a little bit. Yeah. Weed whacker going or whatever it is. It sounds like a leaf blower. Yeah, starting yeah. the landscape at <laughs> six o'clock at night. Well, it's better than Crazy. six in the morning. That's true. On May sixth, I'd have to throw something at him. And yeah. Leave. So that she's she'd be a great interview, and like it's surprisingly like interesting the process of making soap. How do they make soap? Uh, I thought it was animal of, fat. Yeah, it's well they use uh, Castile, so olive oil. Oh, cool. Yeah, so all their soaps are Castile soaps. It's all so natural. Yes, they're vegan and all natural. And then uh, you use lye, which is a horrible, horrible chemical that can burn you or kill you in, if you inhale it. In like it. dial and stuff like that? Like Every every soap on the planet uses uh, uses lye in are, the process. Are you uh, conscious about shit like that or like think about what's in the soap or the detergent or yeah, the dishwashing sure. yeah. pods, yeah. Tide pods, all <laughs> yeah. that fucking yeah. shit? You, yeah, there's a reason you shouldn't eat. Tide Pods people. <laughs> they're not good for you. I heard they're delicious. Yeah, I mean I would I would rather, you know, and especially like going back to the whole theme of this is like knowing where your shit came from. You know what I mean? Like if you buy you buy some bullshit painting at Target, right. you know, like that person didn't get any credit. It's like some graphic designer somewhere in probably Bangladesh. Right. Put that shit out. It doesn't mean anything. And it's like not just artwork, it's, you know, stuff like soap. You know, you're gonna pay nine dollars for a bar of soap, but you know that person in front of you made it. Yeah. You know, and they made it in their kitchen and it took a lot of work. You know. It's crazy. So it's all natural. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I just really prefer that. So I'm really big on that kind of stuff. Who else who else? There's like uh, so many I can't even. Mark uh, Darnabit. Yep, he's gonna be there. Yeah, yeah, he's so on he the did, show. Uh, Good yeah. friend of mine. Yeah, and he did uh, one of your covers, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he did that. I like that. Um, oh, it's yeah. like a coffin with space inside. Very cool. I bought that from him because I yeah. liked it so much. Yeah, he was he was one of the first ones to sign up to. Um, I don't even remember how he got the info, but yeah, he was one of the first ones to sign up. He does. He's a fantastic yeah. artist, and uh, mm-hmm. he does a lot of these. Um, I don't know what do you call them, like swap meet type things. Yeah, yeah. But he seems to be doing well with it. Yeah, you know, he's, he's really, really talented. So yeah. that'll be cool that he's there. Um, so yeah, an- it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Another one's uh, Salt Point Meadery is gonna be there, and we have such a great working relationship with them. And like meeting Eric from Salt, you know what mead is, right? Honey wine. Yes. Yeah. So they're you know they're fairly new. They've been only been open about a year, and uh, he stopped into the coffee shop one day, and he was like, "You guys sell beer." I was like, yeah. And he goes, would you want to sell mead? And I was like, absolutely. Give me all your information. Mm. And I really lobbied to the owner to sell it because it's weird. It's kitschy, you know, but it's on the upswing. Like a lot of people are going to be getting into it in the next few years and they're cropping up everywhere and we're selling the hell out of it. Like who, who would think you're, you know, selling this Viking drink or whatever <laughs> at a coffee shop and people are going to buy it, but they're going to be there doing tastings and then they donated um, I forget how much, but their Revolution Dry 
uh, mead. It's like a sparkling mead. Like think of a really dry prosecco. Okay, it tastes kind of like that. So definitely check them out. I'm wearing a hat right now. I think oh, Salt Point Meadery. So they're they're a great interview. Um, it'd be interesting to have have them on the show. They're fun guys. Definitely if you ever want to interview them. Yeah. Um, th- I mean, there's so ma- there's too many to name. We got like I think 26 or 27 now. So that's great. It's going to yeah. be a good turnout. Yeah. Um, when you put out a show, do you have any idea of how well it's going to do? Mm-mm. It's like you shooting in the dark. Just yeah. kind of throw it yeah, up there and see what, the it, see what it does. Because so, it always surprises me, man. Like sometimes I'll do a show. Like, not that I don't expect it to do well, but it'll, like, really surprise me how well it does. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes I'll do a show and be like, oh, that was amazing. And then it'll be, like, Nothing. three listens. I'm like, what yeah. the fuck? Well, that's kind of what happened. We thought Sponge was going to be the one that did it. And that didn't do nearly as well as the one with the soap makers, you right. know? Yeah. And it's just it's weird. It, like, you hit, like, those hashtags just hit, like, a certain vein that day and it goes mildly viral and you get you know four or five thousand views out of some stuff but i mean some of our best stuff and it's still really fueling especially on youtube is um we had peter gilmore of the church of satan on our show yes and i would like to have yeah. him on actually. oh he's such a great guy yeah you might have to come to him he probably wouldn't want to come down here because he lives in poughkeepsie okay and he is very busy but i could i can hook you up with his information he's such a he's just an awesome very sweet normal great guy is it is it is it miss i I have to go back and watch listen to the show again but is it a misunderstood group absolutely i mean yeah well but it's misunderstood on purpose so they want to be misunderstood yeah they they, they, like they call themselves the church of satan because satan is representative of uh just an enemy you know an adversary and their their thing is they're against organized religion they're atheists they don't believe in satan and if you go on their website and read seriously the first paragraph on the homepage, it says that. And then people are like, you worship the devil. And it's like, no, actually, I don't. If you did like any research at all, you'd know that. But they, they so they want to sort of mislead because it's a bit misleading. It's, it's, it's a kind of the way my takeaway from it. So I don't want to like speak to their doctrine because, I, you know, I'm not a member, but it's it's a a counter to gotcha journalism. Mm. You know, during the whole satanic panic back in the 90s, you know, you had Anton, well, Anton LaVey, that was more in the 60s when he was running it. But then, you know, even 30 years later, you had that whole satanic panic in the 90s where you had the the West Memphis Three, or I think that's what they were called, where they go to jail for a murder they didn't commit because people said they were Satanists. Right. And then yeah. you have Peter Gilmore going on like Maury. Guys, yeah. And people are like, how can you justify this? How can you justify worshiping Satan when this happens? And he just goes, we don't worship Satan. And people are like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> they don't, it's, a, it's just an allegory. Okay. You know, it's, it's, is allegory the right word? I don't want to speak out of turn, but anyway, it's, no, it's just, they're, they're using it as a representation of how silly religion is. Okay. You know what I mean? So at their heart, like they're a clever. Yeah. They're, sort of they're an atheist organization. Make a point. Yeah. And I, I think it's a good one, you know, especially because when we first heard about them, we were just shooting the shit. Talk. Actually, it was one of the one of those red states passed a law that uh, religious organizations could put pamphlets and stuff out and solicit on school property, mm. which is illegal in New York, but legal in this state. So a local satanic church <laughs> said, OK, well, we're going to start putting literature out, too. And that law was nixed immediately because of that. So we started researching it and we were looking at like all their doctrines and it's just like, 
It's the, it's it's all the right. Like, don't kill people. Don't steal stuff unless the person deserves to be stolen from. So it's like the Ten you know? Commandments. Yeah, it's, almost. it's every bit of it just makes sense. I'm just like, I feel like I'm I might be a Satanist. <laughs> Religions are weird. They're so weird. And you know, there's some interesting ones here. Chapel of Sacred Mirrors mm-hmm. in uh, Wappingers, but I don't. I've yeah. tried to research that and figure out what they actually i don't i'm not i believe it's a religion or it might just be a thought it's, philosophy they're, they're kind of like just a commune i think i've been trying to get them on the show for a long time but nobody'll get back i to was me. gonna i say, mean to get alex gray on the show alex would gray would be amazing huge, yeah but you know i think maybe we could swing a satellite interview or something if i could just get a hold of them yeah but you know obviously these i know they do of, like yeah. sun worshiping mm-hmm. ceremonies i've been there yeah. I, I used to distribute the magazine there mm-hmm. i went inside you have to take your shoes off it's like a buddhist temple sort of deal and there's a lot of cool artwork they have like a coffee shop the first time we went there actually i couldn't get in the door was locked um they i think they were having some kind of private event or something and um but it's an interesting place i think it's just about creativity like meditation and shit to increase your creativity i've tried to read some of the literature like what they actually like believe in Mm -hmm. their thought processes and that's really what i've just been able to extract yeah well i mean I don't I don't know a ton about Alex Gray, but I know that most of his inspiration is from DMT trips. Yes. So, you know, a lot of people believe that that's like that's how you see another plane of existence. I don't I don't know if I necessarily believe that. I just think you're dumping a a, a chemical that your brain makes in large amounts back into your brain. Yeah. You know, I want to do it. I would like to yeah. try it. Yeah. I'm I would be nervous, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I get um Anything like mushrooms or anything like that where I'm too out of control, I don't have enough control, yep. freaks me out a little bit. Yeah, I, I can't do mushrooms because I have a mushroom allergy. Oh. So if I, that could potentially be really bad. Oh, yeah, you don't yeah. want to do that. But uh, I've done um, morning glory seeds. Okay. Yeah, morning glory seeds are hallucinogenic. You make like a tea out of them. Okay. Yeah, it, I didn't like that at all. You didn't like it? <laughs> no. Um, Bosch liked it, but I think. Um, there were a lot of factors that made it that I didn't like it. And one of which was I had a severely sprained ankle. So like all I could concentrate on was like the pain that I was going through. Uh, So it kind of pulled me out of it. So he's in the other room with another guy, like banging on a drum in like a serious trip for an hour. (laughs) And within 15 minutes of me getting like taking it, I was out of it and drinking a beer in the living room. So I think a lot of it is mental and wanting to be there. So I just don't know if it's for me, but I, you know, he also did the, um, the pineal, um, light activation thing. They have this like strobe light. Um, this guy, Bill, he, he's, uh, he's over at dreaming goddess a couple days a week. If you just look at their calendar, um, you, he's there, but it's, you know, it's like $20 for five minutes or something like that. It's like a rapid uh, flash. Yeah, it's, like a, a, it's like a strobe light. Mm-hmm. You have your eyes closed, but this light strobing. You don't feel like and, you're having a seizure. Yeah. It's um well if you have if you have a seizure disorder you should definitely not do this. <laughs> okay. But uh it it this thing strobes at certain frequencies and there's no there's no scientific evidence that shows any of this. It's just, you know, people saying what they experience. Yeah. And um apparently you get into a very relaxed state and it activates your pineal gland which does manufacture dmt for your brain but even that they don't really know it's very it's very interesting thing so it's like a light sensitive gland and you go on this like short sort of dmt trip trip, and you just see all these cool colors and like 
patterns and crazy shit. So I, I definitely want to try that. I just haven't gotten to the point where I'm like, I'm going to spend 20 bucks on that today. Yeah, I know they have on YouTube videos where it's like, I think it's called binaural beats. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, it's I've supposed checked it out. to activate your yeah. third eye, open your third eye yeah. or some shit. I've checked it out. Say, I don't get it. Um, I don't know how true this is, but like fluoride and shit calcifies your pineal yeah. gland. Yeah. And that's like also, a big... That that's just something people are saying. Oh, is that <laughs> yeah, not there's, true? There's it's no there's no reality. there's no study that's shown that. Because there's uh, every study that's ever been done on fluoride has shown nothing but positive results. <laughs> so you don't you don't subscribe to the fluoride in the waters, trying to uh, dumb down the population no, conspiracy. No, it's just giving us better teeth. That's I mean that's that's a measurable scientific outcome from doing that. We have better teeth than countries that don't have fluoride. We just do. So if there's a negative like there, I'm open to the fact that there might be a negative there, but the only measurable scientific outcome that we can see from that is that we have better teeth. There's never been a, or you're saying there has been studies that yeah, you say? Yeah, and they've all shown that we have better teeth. Well, I mean, the teeth, I, I think yeah. I agree yeah. with you, I'm sure, uh, mm-hmm. about the teeth, but uh, the effects of the fluoride on the brain is what I'm asking. Well, no, there haven't been any studies about that, but um, no one's issued one because there's no evidence showing that it does. You know what I mean? Like, who's going to spend a half a billion dollars on a study to prove something that we don't even think is a possibility? Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's my problem with conspiracy theories. It's just like, I'm just asking questions, man. Yeah. Well, yeah. Why are you... You're asking a question that can't be answered without a half a billion dollars worth of studies that don't need to be done. You know? That's... it. My problem with it is, is like... Let me think how to phrase this. So, you could also make the argument that fluoride makes people fat. And the reason that you can make that argument is because Americans are fat. Okay. Right? But correlation is not causation. We know why Americans are fat because we have a high-carbohydrate bullshit diet. We like a fast food. Yeah. We, we love French fries and pancakes and syrup, so that's why we're fat. We know that. We don't need to do a study checking the correlation between fluoride and fat because it's obvious why we're fat. You know what I mean? And especially because Americans are not dumber. On on the whole, we're smarter than most countries as far as as far as um like recalled knowledge, so like IQ tests, we are way higher than probably 90% of the countries in the world. I mean, we're surpassed by China to a degree and a lot of European countries, but for the most part we are smarter. And it's not saying that we are smarter for any reason other than we have more knowledge. You know what I mean? But should I let me ask you this then. So should people though be able to vote? Because I was, I, I know that in some, I mean, well, I don't know. I've heard, and I'm trying to recall, but in some municipalities, they wanted to vote to take the fluoride out of the water and the government stepped in and shut it down. They said they weren't allowed to do that. So should we be man? It should be mandatory to have fluoride um, in the water. Well, if you wanted the, water without fluoride, should you be able you to drink water you, without fluoride? Sure. Yeah. You can buy it at the store. <laughs> but you know? it, not in your it's municipal. Munici- water it's municipal. Source. I mean, the, that's the thing. Is just um, you know the, the the problem is is if you have a mob mentality, you wind up with Donald Trump. You yeah. know what I mean? So, and also if you if you just say whatever the popular vote is should be, then we'd still have slavery. We still have slavery. Who wants slavery? Everyone before we got rid of it. I mean, not the, the nowadays, majority, though. The majority of the population of the United States was against abolishing slavery. The majority of the people. Yeah. Because blacks weren't allowed to vote. So if you if you look at that, you can't... 
you can't just govern people however you want, but you also need to go, well, the majority of people don't understand most things. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying the government should just save you, but if it's a proven scientific thing. But that's a democracy it, works. Yeah, I know. But they're not forcing you to drink the water. That's the difference. Mm. If they're saying this is the only option, then that's one thing. This is the only option that's basically free. That's another. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's also like if you have a mob mentality, if, you know, like let's say, I mean, I think we're kind of leaning in a direction where a, a good percentage of the company is, or the, the country is super racist. Do if you think that for real? No, I think the louder ones are. You know, I, th I think it's seeming like that. But like, let's just say for the sake of argument, fifty-two percent of the country wanted to bring back slavery. Does that mean we should? Of course not, man, because it's so, morally wrong. Yeah, but, but that's you know, that's that conflating even be a discussion. Yeah, I don't think. But that, I mean, that's conflating the fluoride thing because we're talking about fluoride, not slavery. But you get what I mean. Yeah, oh, oh, okay. A good example would be um, uh, New York State wanting to raise the. Uh, age to smoke to 21 right most people would say that's a great idea but every smoker would say that's bullshit yeah especially but, smokers between the ages of 18 and 21 i mean i think i don't know the the drinking age i should be 18 probably yeah like if you could go to war and fight mm -hmm. and shoot yeah. and people and you know risk your life then you should be able to have a beer yeah some of the then i think pot Mm -hmm. It's fucking ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yeah. It should be. I think it's the most the innocuous. That, yeah, the fact that you can buy cigarettes <laughs> legally and not buy weed, that's so ridiculous. And like we're getting a little bit off track here. But, you know, that that in itself, the majority of New York would say like, well, I would I would even go as far as to say the majority of New Yorkers would say we should outlaw tobacco because there's no there's no health benefit. There's it's just bad for you. I mean, you know, but it's as but, an American, you should be have if you want to have a smoke, you should be able to have a smoke. Well, then you should grow your own. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> the problem but, the problem is the the tobacco lobby controlling everything. So we get back to majority doesn't rule in that situation. It's the pressure that's put on legislators from lobbyists. But then you're also you know. then making another plant illegal, which I think is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah and I don't think, I, think I don't think tobacco good. should be illegal. Yeah. I think that. Um, tobacco should not be allowed to advertise at all at all if i mean we've already we've already well, set legal precedence with that yeah it used to be on yeah. t when we were kids uh mm -hmm. tv commercials magazine i think you can still do magazine yeah, ads. When, so another thing is uh like they they just have dumb laws like where beer commercials you never see anybody drink a beer they're holding it they're having a great time but they don't drink it so like how effective is that? Laws are fucking weird yeah. to me. Like if you go to a strip club, it's fully nude. You can't drink alcohol. Yeah. But if the girl has her like thong on, mm -hmm. then you can drink alcohol. Yeah. The fully nude thing makes mm -hmm. it so the strip yeah. club could serve alcohol or not, which it's is just silly. really weird to yeah. me. Well, it's that's all half measures, and like we're getting way down like a weird rabbit hole. But like, you know, that's that's when that's when politicians are compromising for the sake of sounding to, to pander to their base so they don't get kicked out you know what i mean so they go well we couldn't get what we wanted but at least we got this and yeah at least you got something that does nothing yeah you know and and that's kind of the way it, things uh, go like on facebook and shit and i see you know everyone has strong political views of course and that you know there's a lot of bickering and shit and you know there's definitely 
problems in this country with racism, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But I think if you talk to, like, if you just go and talk to people on the street and shit, I think most people are, you know, understanding, yeah. you know, good people. They're not, they don't hold a lot of hate in their heart. I think it's just, like, blown out of proportion with social media and shit. I think, I think that we, <clears throat> we swung in one direction for a while. I mean, obviously, we had a black president. So people that were racist couldn't be openly racist anymore, and now it's kind of okay again. So it's seeming like it's this huge resurgence, but it's not like those people were born a year and a half ago. Those people just were keeping it to themselves that whole time. And I think that there's, you know, it's it's like the stock market. There's going to be a correction. You know what I mean? It's going to happen. You're, you get people to swing one way for so long, and then it's going to snap back to we, where things really are. Mm. And I think we're seeing the way things really are right now. And hopefully that's disgusting enough people that they won't won't allow that to happen wherever they have control over it. You know what I mean? Because like 10 years ago, you know, you have some racist coworker. He's just that, you know, he's kind of racist, whatever. You let it roll off your back. But then eventually, maybe now you get pissed off enough, just like, don't say that here. Right. You know, I don't want to hear it. If you want to be racist, go be racist by yourself. So I'm hoping that, that that's going to be that correction, that pendulum swing, like back to the middle what we need yeah i don't I, be honest with you man i don't know too many people that are in my personal life i don't have any friends that are racist of course like yeah. that i think there's some people like the baby boomer generation like um that are more inclined to just say whatever the fuck comes into their yeah. mind they're less pc mm-hmm. um and i'm fine with that because <laughs> but I was, I, I, that's yeah. what i was kind of going I'm fine with, with not being pc because like yeah. for comedy like on your show like, do you think that anything should be as if it's a joke, should be off limits to no, say definitely as, a, not. as a joke? Is it as a is a in the realm of comedy? No, definitely not. Because the people out there have the right to not listen to my show. And if I want to make a racist joke or a racial joke, like there's a big difference between a racist joke and a racial joke. So let's say a racial joke. Okay. Um, what's the difference? I don't know. So a racist joke is where you're like. Yeah, this is the truth, and I'm just saying it in a funny way. And then a racial joke would be you're kind of making fun of a stereotype, not so much. I wish that I could think of a better example. But it's like you need to address these things as a real. Like, for instance, if, you know, um, a couple comedians, um, Patrice O'Neill was a good, very good example. Uh-huh. I don't know. I'm not sure if you're familiar yeah, with I know. He's like, I'm not being racist, I'm being racial. Okay. You know, and one of his jokes was um, that when a newscaster says the N word, like the phrase the N word, mm-hmm. they're making you think the word nigger. Right. They're making you think it. They put it in your brain. You know what I mean? So they're just, it's the same as saying the same, it's the same as just saying the saying word. It, right. So it's just like to make yourself feel better doesn't make any sense. I mean, you need to address words like that. You don't need to, you shouldn't use them in your daily life. Right. You know what I mean? But the thing is, it's just like if you're going to call somebody out for going, can you please stop saying the N word and just say what you really feel? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that can be kind of funny. That can be, you know, um, part of a normal conversation. But then there's also like you got to push that envelope sometimes. And I've never said that word in malice. But like any comedian or any radio host, like she's like, how about you just say the word you're thinking, buddy? Yeah, Yeah. You know, like it's come up that way. But you know that's kind of an extreme example. But um, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of an example from the show where I've made like a racial joke and it's been funny. But I'm kind of coming up short. But I think it's the a, the 
the moral of it is is like nothing should be off limits we're in my buddy's basement i'm recording right. my show i can say whatever i want and if you have a problem with it leave a comment that's fine do you ever yeah. have in the back of your head though like i know that because you because sometimes you could just get on the on a rant sort of like mm -hmm. we're doing now not a, you know but we're having a conversation and it's just like two buddies having a talk but then in the back of your mind you're like well there's going to be many other people that listen to this so i yeah. need to censor oh. myself to something um it used to be yes for sure and um i think one time i was like on some rant and i was talking about some woman and i think i called her a cunt and that's a horrible word horrible word in the united states it, that right. like that's a word you have to reserve for you know those situations right but in europe it's just a normal thing to say why is why is that you know what I mean? So to, to kind of to censor yourself doesn't make any sense. But to overuse things mm -hmm. when they have no emphasis, now you're just being kind of a dick. You know what I mean? So nothing – I don't feel like anything's off limits. But I also kind of consider myself a good person. So I'm never going to go to that limit. You know what I mean? Whereas you have like – People like Anthony from Opie and Anthony, who got fired from XM for going on a racist tirade on Twitter. You know, that's because that's who he is as a person. Right. For me, I'm not that person, and anybody listening knows that I'm not that person. So if you push that limit a little bit, it's obvious satire. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hear some comedians, like Norm McDonald's one of my favorite comedians. Yeah. I think he's fucking hilarious. He got a lot of shit for his last special, <laughs> some of the stuff he said. Well, he says a lot of yeah. shit. Like, you could go on YouTube and watch his compilations, and they'll be like racist Norm McDonald jokes. <laughs> yeah. And it'll be like 30 minutes long of just yeah. like a montage of jokes. But I don't I think mean, he's, they, they can be funny, and a lot of it is as long as you don't go like, well, this is off limits. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you're kind of dishing it out, equally and mixing in a little bit of self-deprecation people get that like like i was i was talking about how i went on a cruise right and the whitest people in the world go on cruises you know that's racist yeah you know that's a super racist <laughs> joke but is it but it's not it because i'm doing it but how am i white i'm actually sicilian so i'm part black oh me too you know way back in the day you know, yeah. there's a good percentage of my DNA that came directly from Africa, you know, so it's well, just, you know, we all come from. Yeah. Well, well we all do. Like, yeah. Know, right? That's. Yeah. Well, yes, I believe in evolution because I yeah. am an atheist. So, but you I mean, like, like I'm saying, it's just, <laughs> yeah, I would like to be. It's like five hundred dollars. You, you filled out your application. Yeah, it's pending. It's, I I think we're gonna eventually, if we ever got popular, we're gonna do a Kickstarter to raise a thousand bucks so Ryan and I can become card carrying members. Oh, great! I'll, I'll donate to that. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, it's like at what point it's just like. Like, especially going back to that, it's like, how come I can make a joke about white people and it ain't racist? You know, it doesn't make any sense. No. You know, I think as long as it's all about context, context matters. You know, if uh, did you hear about the story about the guy who taught his dog to do the Nazi salute? No. It's, I mean, he's a comedian. It's kind of funny, but it wasn't funny enough to justify what he was doing. But he basically said, like, this dog is so cute that I want to ruin him. So he started saying things like Zieg Heil and the dog would do the Nazi salute. Trouble is, he lives in Europe. They don't have mm -hmm. the same free speech that we do. Right. They just don't. So he was charged and convicted <laughs> and he only wound up getting a fine. But he could have spent five years in jail for that. Holy shit. If the Where judge, did he live? I think Germany. 
Wow. Um, so I, I definitely could be wrong on that, but you know, he did, he's like a YouTuber. He's a comedian. Yeah. Like it was obviously a joke <laughs> and this guy, he was arrested. He was tried. It's been going on for two years and he was just convicted and he got hit with a pretty hefty fine. He went online and said, I'm appealing this because just out of principle, because it sets a precedent, you know, and free speech is not free speech in the United States is not what it is in Europe. Yeah. In Europe, they have banned phrases. That's crazy, man. I I uh, I interview. I said this on the podcast before. I'm not bragging, but I interviewed Gilbert Godfrey one time for not for this podcast for a magazine for the Chronogram. I was, mm-hmm. was a freelancer for the Chronogram. We tried to interview him too. He said no. Oh really? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I mean, it was for the magazine, so, yeah. and he was doing a show up here. He was trying to promote, and um, he's a sweet guy. And I was talking to him because he, after nine eleven, had made a bad joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not saying it was a, I don't know, a port, in, poor a, taste. in poor taste, yeah. right? And um, it cost him his job at Aflac. Get Aflac yeah. He yeah. got in deep shit, and he and we were talking too about like the Michael Richards thing, where mm-hmm. that was something that wasn't a joke. He just had a meltdown. Yeah, and that that's the difference. <laughs> right. That's that's where you peel back that curtain and you see that person for who they are. Right. You know, to have never said those words in malice and to do it in a joke and then have it all come back like that's crazy. Right. You know. So uh, what he what he said was um, what I thought was interesting, and I think it's a good story that I like to tell is that um, he said comedy should be like a roller coaster, like when you go to see a comedy show, and if you're censoring yourself, it's like advertising the safest roller coaster with the best seat belts, and it goes very slow around turns. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's gonna want to ride that roller coaster. Yeah, exactly. Like you should go to a comedy show like expecting like some things that people are gonna say are gonna offend you. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to make you feel uncomfortable. You know, they're going to make you laugh, of course. But, like, it should be that unpredictability that makes it, you know, a comedy show. It's a it's a performance, well, you know. The, that's the definition of a joke is yeah. the, the, the ending of it is unexpected. That, that's what it is. That's why it's funny. Yeah. And uh, humor I find really intriguing because it's just, like, you can make a baby laugh just by making fun noises, but it's mostly about surprising them. Right. And then as we become more sophisticated as adults, you need more to surprise you. So that's really all it is. And to say something that's off color, no one's expecting that because they don't see that in their day to day. So, you know, and, and every, any comedian that's any good has gone through some sort of a controversy. Like right. This. You know, Joe Rogan for saying the N word a lot yeah. on stage. He had a whole rant about words you can't say. And one of those was the N word. Uh-huh. And, you know, and I'm doing it now too. Everyone at home is thinking that word right. in their head every time I say yeah. the N word. So it's just like well, words shouldn't be, words just, shouldn't be illegal. No. It's just, it's the context. It's all about the context. Yeah. And like his rant was about, you know, there are a few things you cannot say anymore, you know? And Tom Segura just went through a whole thing too. He was like, can't say retard anymore. Right. Right. And then people are freaking out. They didn't even watch the bit. They didn't even watch it. They have no idea what the guy said. He's saying, you can't say it. But because he said the word, he should have said, you can't say the R word anymore. How funny is that? That's, yeah. not fun. That's not unexpected. Because when he just stops in the middle of his set and then says that sentence, everybody goes, holy shit, I wasn't expecting that. You know, so it's it's just I'm saying you know like Bosh, you know, aren't you know. I? How many times am I? How oh, many, that montage Bosh, how many times have I said you know? Maybe you could splice them all together. Be fucking funny. Yeah, he could do. I How do many times too. have I said like, or <laughs> so, or you know? <laughs> um, did the the ch- um, woman 
comedian, female comedian, who did the White House correspondence dinner. Yeah. Wolf what was her last name? I don't remember her name, but she's uh, my hero. <laughs> you, I mean, did you think yeah. like she she got some backlash for that? Mm-hmm. And I watched part of it. I'm like, why? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it it definitely. The reason that I love it is because she was like, I don't care if this ruins my career, right? But I don't think it will. I watched the, but I watched Norm. Speaking of Norm Macdonald, I watched his when Bill Clinton was president, yeah. and he said a lot of shit Talk too. Just as like, much shit, yeah, yeah. It's the, the thing to do, right? But I mean, Trump didn't even attend, right? Because he, it's all fake news, yeah. But you know that that's a, that was a funny joke. Like the president isn't here because apparently he's the only pussy you, you can't, can't grab, grab nowadays. Yeah. That that's a great line, and you know, and the and the thing is, they're they're not getting on her about that. They're getting on her about her talking shit about the what's her name the uh, uh, spokesperson yeah and the I thing is she never really insulted her personally like everyone saying she made fun of her looks she didn't she made fun of her policy and complimented her looks she yeah. was like she's the only person who can um I th- it was something like torch a person and turn their ashes into perfect smoky eye makeup I mean but that's how those things as far as I've known like from past uh, White House correspondence dinners was that it's like a roast it's supposed to be like that yeah yeah you know it's like just a um, lighthearted sort of jab at somebody you know it's not meant to be more than that and I watched it I didn't think she I was I there was not any moment where I was like oh my god I can't believe she said that yeah but it's I mean it's just it's partially because I think the president wasn't there yeah and partially who what is her title She's like press secretary or something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, she deals um, with the media. Yeah, I wish I knew more, but it's also the first time where, you know, you've kind of had somebody like that who has been very under fire, and she's also a woman, so everyone's kind of like thinking like, oh, you should be on her side, you know. I'm not on the side of anyone who's under the wing of Trump. You know what I mean? They're all fair game, and she she didn't say anything sexist. She didn't say anything racist. All the things that she said were true, you know, and uh, you'd think that the calling the president a pussy would be the biggest part of it. But everybody glossed over that. And they're like, you hate women. I am a woman. I don't hate them. Yeah. I hate her because she's a bitch. But, you know, I think she did well. I think it sounded great. <laughs> I mean, I didn't I didn't really understand why everyone was freaking out about it personally. Yeah, and but. like my my takeaway of it is like if you don't like something, just stop watching it. You know what I mean? Like it, going back to Gilbert Gottfried, <clears throat> I think the jokes that he said were not funny, and that's why they failed so badly. They were in poor taste and they weren't funny. Right. So at that point, like it's not like I have less respect for you. You had a couple things that didn't land. Right. It happens. You know. No, he, I, dude. I think um, there's nothing worse than a bad joke. You know, mm-hmm. and so. When I've seen, like, I've done a lot of open mics and shit, and there'll be, like, comedians that are just doing, like, five minutes. It's, like, the, obviously the, one of their first few times on stage, and they bomb really bad, and you feel so bad for them because it's yeah. so awkward. And, like, if they do, like, a racial joke, I guess we'll say, yeah. that doesn't land, mm-hmm. and it's just, like, people are, like, feeling really weird and uncomfortable, and there's no laughs. Like, yeah. that's, it's fucking weird. Like, that, yeah, that's... And like a but a song like if you're a band and you go up there and you play a shitty song you know people will still kind of give you a half clap like you know all right good it's good try they're not, gonna, they're not gonna be offended by it <laughs> right you know you yeah. could be really bad but very few people are gonna boo and throw a beer bottle exactly at you. exactly but, but yeah yeah it's just we have these lines <laughs> that you cannot cross 
unless you know what I mean? So if I, you know, if going back to um, Anthony Cumia with his racist tirade, that was just a racist tirade. That was him being himself, being a racist person on social media. Mm -hmm. There was no jokes there. He was just dropping N bombs all over Twitter. Of course, you're going to get fired for that. You should get fired for that. Yeah. It, you're representing the company. But then on the, the opposite side of things, it's like when you have something that's taken out of context, it, you know, your company does have the right to fire you. It sucks. But the thing is, it's just like you need to weigh those that like your company has the right to do whatever they want, especially in states like New York where you're an at will employer. Yeah. They can just say, we don't want you here anymore. They don't really need a reason. And if you, you know, like, but I'm I'm also never going to side with like these like social justice warrior type guys who are or people who are calling for people to be fired for what they've said. I had know? a I worked in the city. <clears throat> my first job out of college, I was a research analyst at this company, um, and I had a African American colleague uh, who was a friend of mine, and uh, we were all going out to have drinks after work, and I said. We were talking. I forget what we were talking about, but I said uh, it's like you know calling a spade a spade, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, that's a racist term that you just said, and uh, I was like, I had no idea. Yeah. I'm so sorry. I, like yeah. I've been saying that for years. I had no idea that that had any connotations of being racist. Yeah. You know, it's just my bad. Like I, I felt like shit. <clears throat> yeah, you know, for saying that, but I never had really thought about like what mm-hmm. that really meant or it had any yeah. other connotations neither have i and then uh, well um how did they approach it with you were they cool about it there's like just to let you know you probably shouldn't say that well she or was I, it like I, was she mad at I, I don't know if i mentioned but she's african-american mm-hmm. herself yeah. so she no, she, we were friends yeah. and she did you know she didn't escalate it or anything she just yeah. said you know she brought it to my attention yeah and she's that, like and i just then, want you to know yeah. and i was like you know oh fuck i feel so bad and she's yeah. like don't feel bad she didn't know you see but now you know yeah. that's exactly how that conversation should have gone because the context is what matters it's your intent if you're not intending to be racist you're not being racist yeah. you might have said something stupid and put your foot in your mouth and not known everybody's done that yeah. um three weeks ago we had uh, a woman came in she was disabled um not going to go into what her issue was mm-hmm. but um she asked where the bathroom was and i said it's upstairs I can help you out with the handicap lift to bring you upstairs. Right. And her husband was like, I'm not mad. Definitely not mad. Do not right. feel bad. But just so you know, like the proper term now is disabled. Gotcha. And I was like, you know what? I did kind of know that. Right. But it's just, you know, I've been saying handicap right. for 35 years. You, you know, say, like, so it's handicap like handicap parking space yeah. or something. Yeah. And I, like that surprised me because right. that's that was the proper like nomenclature for that term for so long. Right. And now it's not. And that's fine. That's totally fine. It's a less offensive thing. You're not handicapped. You're disabled. Totally fine. And they were very cool about it. And they were very nice. They were very cordial. But then you have, then you'd have people out there who would curse me out for saying that. It's like I didn't know that this was a problem until <laughs> right. just now. Yeah. You know. So I think in that situation, she handled it very well. In the situation that I just mentioned, they handled it very well. But then you have people who were just they're out there looking for people to make that slight error so yeah. that they can feel like they're winning. Well, that's what, not to go back to the Gilbert Godfrey thing, but he said that, um, you know, people are so judgmental because it's like they're passing judgment on somebody for saying something to make them feel better about themselves. Mm-hmm. It's like a self-righteous sort of thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I can't believe he said that. I, I yeah. would never say that. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it's it's I kind of agreed with them there that it's like, you know, people kind of put this shit out on social media to make themselves look sort of righteous and kind of like, you know, they're but sometimes people just need to be a little more understanding if if it's yeah. a, if it's a mistake, you know. Yeah, and and sometimes, you know, a genuine ignorance of something is not your fault. Right. You know, certain things like you should know you can't just be blurting out, you know, racial Whatever. expletives yeah. all the time. You know, if if that's who you are as a person, don't have kids, please. You know what I mean? Because I I do genuinely think in like 50 years, all the racists will be dead and we'll be fine. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I, like, I do have that hope for America. But, you know, being like, like you said before, I don't have any friends that are racist. I don't have any friends that are racist either. But I used to work at car dealerships yeah. and a good 50% of mechanics are racist. I can tell you that for sure. Yeah. And I mean, I'm even talking about it places like Mercedes like high-end places. And it's just like, you just said that. There's a black guy right over there that we work with, and you just said that to me. And you think that just because I'm a white man that I'm going to agree with you? Was it was it like a bad joke or was it like malicious? No, no. Like all these Attack. effing blank, 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 uh, that's, yeah, that's blah, blah, blah. Fucked up. You know, and I'm really glad I got out of it before this, this election because I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. But it was like during the last election, and it was just, you know, a lot of calling – calling Obama a bunch of slurs and calling him a monkey and things like that. And it's just like, hey, how about we go over here and we'll have this conversation in front of Steve, the black guy that we work with. Right. Would you still say that in front of him? Right. Of course. You know, and it's of course he wouldn't. But and especially because, like, I'm a white guy. I own some guns and I drove a truck at the time. So everyone just assumes that I'm a racist Republican at these places. And that drove me crazy. I'm like, no, I want universal health care, you know. I voted for Obama both times, you know. So, um, if, if someone who has firearms, then I mean, do you think? Uh, what What are your thoughts on restrictions? Um, I think it needs to be a lot more. I, I have yeah. my, my permit. I have yeah. I have my my uh, pistol permit, but I yeah. haven't purchased uh, anything. Yeah. I I mean, I'm I've, carrying right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so does that most so. uh, people in my family, many yeah. people that I know. <clears throat> I just. Um, you know, I, I think there needs to be restrictions for yeah. sure. Um, at, at the very least, I would like to see most states fall in line with. I mean, I think New York State made some errors in the Safe Act, but I think that the majority of the law is good. So that means yeah. ultimately you have to keep it in a separate locked no, it's, box. Uh, so um, I have a full carry, so mm-hmm. I can carry all the time. But when you store yeah. it in your house, that's how I understood the Safe so Act. So the Safe Act is uh, several hundred page document okay. like there's a lot of laws in there and most of them give it to or it's a, a, three sentences the main the main parts are limiting assault weapons in new york which i'll get to in a moment because that part's kind of a joke um the second part was uh stricter background checks mm-hmm. and the third part would be like mental health stuff right. so um your psychiatrist is now legally required to report if you're a danger to someone um and then there's also certain things like um if you're convicted of any type of violent crime, like right. let's say you punch your girlfriend and you're arrested, they're right. supposed to come take your guns. But there's still so many holes in it that it's a problem. And going back to the assault weapons thing, you can go buy an AR-15 tomorrow. Right. It, it didn't restrict them. It just changed the shape of them. So um, they need to they need to have educated people help with these laws. And I don't want to go down a huge rabbit hole with that because I am all for a lot like I'm all for full registration rifles are not even with the safe act rifles are not registered right 
you know, you can go buy a shotgun and then you can sell it to your buddy and then your buddy sells it to somebody else and then he sells it to somebody else and that person robs McDonald's with it. Only not in the five boroughs. In the five boroughs, you have yeah. to have a registered right? Yes, you need a you need a rifle license in the five boroughs. <laughs> so it, we still don't have registration, which I think is crazy. Um, there's no reason to not uh, like all my handguns are registered, mm-hmm. but my rifles are not. That's that's nuts to me, especially because like I have rifles out there in the world that I purchased new and then sold. That are now they're going to come to me first. You know what I mean? And that's just silly. Yeah. So that that needs to change and. A lot of other things, but uh, I don't even remember how I got on. <laughs> got on this. <laughs> what, but, what about um, you know? It's just I, I feel like there needs to be a lot more common sense gun control and yeah. a lot less of this posturing, because to to ban assault weapons isn't going to change things. Well, it's the, just going to change the shape of the gun that's used to do these horrible things. But the, the problem is ultimately a mental health problem, right? Yes and no. It's access too. Um, because for instance, you can, New York state can pass all the laws they want. I can still go out to Gander mountain in Pennsylvania, right across the border. It's like in Matamoros or some shit, walk in there and buy an AR 15 with a hundred round drum, Mm. fill that shit with ammo and then drive 60 miles back home and shoot up a school. But you gotta be a sick fuck. Yeah. So the thing is, it's like, what about, what about the person that lives two miles from the border? That's sick. Fuck. How have you, how have you changed anything? So if you, in terms of uh, regulation and screening, um, so say like you're depressed and at some point in your life you take antidepressants. Mm -hmm. Do you think you should be denied your pistol Um, or carry? I think that in that case, um, maybe not just depression for anti, like with antidepressants, Mm -hmm. maybe not just that. Um, there, there maybe there should be a mental health screening for anybody who wants to like a psychiatric yeah, invi- evaluation. You know. And it, the thing is like, you meet a lot of crazy out in the world and you can tell in five minutes for the most part, like that guy shouldn't have a gun. Right. You know? And I, of course that's not, I'm not a psychiatrist and of course that that's not going to be a hundred percent accurate, but it would help. You know, if you just needed to go into an office somewhere and fill out some paperwork and talk to somebody who kind of knew what they were doing, that might limit a lot of it. And, you know, the fact is, like, in New York State, you went through it. All the hoops that you have to jump through to get a pistol license. A crazy person's not going to do that. Almost a year, nine months, something. Yeah, it took me about a year. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like, a crazy person isn't going to do that. Right. But that crazy person can super easily get a hold of a handgun. Almost 80%, I think, of violent um, gun-related crime in New York was is done by a legally obtained firearm from another state. You know? It's so simple. There, there are to- so many people that drive to Pennsylvania, buy shit legally in a straw sale, and then sell it to uh, a person that doesn't exist. Because you don't need to keep receipts. You don't need to do anything. You put an ad up on Craigslist, the ad comes down because they don't allow it, and now you have proof that you put an ad up. Mm. So it, you know, there needs to be some sort of paperwork when you transfer a firearm. What do you think? Because um, like, I, I think Columbine, right, was the first. Yeah. It wasn't the first, but it was the first, the first big one. Okay, yeah, that's the first one that I, yeah. I, I'm aware of. Yeah, I mean, the, there was the, <clears throat> the the shooting in Texas in the '60s. I think was one of the first ones. But why? Why do you think? Now it it's more prevalent. I think a lot of it is access. Yeah. And um, again, I'm not an expert, but I think a lot of it is easy access. And I think a lot of it is like people aren't taught life skills anymore. 
mm. and they can't deal with things. Do you think and it's like the computers making them more? It's not the computers. Withdrawn? It's uh, I, I don't think directly. Yeah. I think what I think part of the problem is is like when I was a kid, I would come home as it was getting dark, and my parents would be like, "You in for the night?" No, I'm getting a flashlight. I'll be back in two hours. Yeah, you know, at ten o'clock at night when it was my bedtime when I was twelve years old. Right. People don't do that shit anymore, right. and people don't do that shit anymore because all we see in the news is kids getting snatched up, right? So that's not. That's not the core of it, but my theory is that people are so sheltered now that they can't deal with things. Hmm. I mean, I work at a coffee shop, and these kids are 19 years old. They're in their, like, second year of college, and yeah. they don't know how to fill out a receipt. No, oh, they don't know how to fill receipt. out a receipt oh. when they get food. Like, there's a couple restaurants that when they take Vcash, there's an automatic 20% gratuity because they don't know how to tip. They don't know what that is. Really? Because they're so sheltered because they come from a rich family, they've never paid for a meal in their life. Wow. You know? And I think that that's becoming conflated. You know, I, I talk to people now and it's just like, what do you mean you don't know how to change a tire? You know, and this is old man Adam, like, I'll oh, get off my lawn. <laughs> but... You know, I think I think that that's a big part of it. It's just people don't know how to deal with things anymore. And I think that the mental health thing is a big part of it. But I think that you have people that are just having trouble and they're depressed. And they're like, let's say at a five. And now they're at a seven yeah. because of these kinds of things. And then the people that would have been at a seven before are now at a ten. And instead of jumping off of a bridge like people did 30 years ago, they go, I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah. Because we see in the media... They plaster their name everywhere, and now they're infamous, you know? And there are a few people, Philip DeFranco on YouTube is one of my favorite YouTubers. He doesn't say their name. He has millions of followers, and yeah. he says, we are not posting the name of the person that did not this. Not going to give them the satisfaction. Yeah. Of, exactly. And yeah. even though they're dead, it's that might be, you know, if, if media just had a policy of we are not going to give these people what they wanted, maybe that would change. I didn't mean to giggle, but I just... <laughs> jump off a bridge like they did back, yeah. back in my day. Yeah, back in my day. <laughs> we, we got depressed. If you were you depressed, jump you jumped off a bridge. <laughs> I was just funny. So, you know, it's just, I, I'm i definitely not one of those people who thinks that guns are not the problem at all. Because yeah. guns are part of the problem. The type of gun is not the problem. The access is definitely a problem. The ease at which you can get a gun. And the fact that we've had some of these people, like um, Sandy Hook, that kid didn't own that gun. Wow. You know? He had easy access to a family member's gun who he did kill. But there have been a lot of situations, Columbine, for instance, they were his grandfather's guns. Right. His grandfather was never prosecuted. Why was, Why did that guy not spend the rest of his life in prison for endangering all of those people? Mm -hmm. You know, if somebody steals my gun, if somebody steals my gun. You're liable. Because, well, not really. That's, that's the yeah. messed up part. You're not really liable at all. You, but you, should, so, you think you should be. I think you should be to a certain degree. Yeah. You need to... Part of one thing that I think that was really missing in the safe act would be uh, mandatory that you need to have a safe something to lock up your weapon right so that people can't get to it could be a lockbox a right? reasonable level of yeah. whatever yeah just a lock just try please mm -hmm. try yeah you know I, I I worked with a guy back in the day who was like yeah just keep my gun on top of the fridge so the kids can't get to it what <clears throat> you know well, it's just when my gun is not on my person it's in a safe right and the, and i don't even have kids or anything like that that was the because I, I covered that a uh, bit when i worked for the local paper when that was coming out and uh well because that was what like three four years ago safe act? sandy hook no the safe oh act. the safe act was probably 
probably closer to five because yeah. I was still working as a mechanic at the time. But they were saying like you know the, the their um like the big NRA people were opposed to it because then if you someone did break into your home, you'd have to yeah. go to the safe and unlock it. To get your firearm. Yeah, but you can get a fingerprint safe that opens faster than dropping a clip and racking a magazine. I, I agree. I'm just you know? I'm kind of just playing yeah. the, oh, the yeah. devil's advocate. And I, I think that that's fine, but it's it's the level of... Um, okay, so in that situation, let's say it's that situation. You're really, really worried about that. Every night, you take your firearm, you put it in your dresser drawer, and you lock your bedroom door. Right. If you're that paranoid, your bedroom door is locked anyway. Do you have your little kids sleeping in your bed with a loaded gun in the dresser? Yeah. No, nobody's going to do that. So it's just to make those arguments is just it's just silly, you know, and and I get that. But the thing is, like, for me, I actually have night terrors, so I would never sleep with a gun next to my bed right. because I'd wind up shooting myself or oh, somebody God. else. That's so everything's in a safe anyway. But it's just like if somebody breaks into my house and they steal my guns. They first and foremost had to break into my house. Then they had to find the safe, which is right. in a closet, which is bolted to the floor right. in the closet. You know, it would take them six hours to get my guns out of my house. And then you got some guys who are like, yeah, keep them on top of the fridge so kids can't get to them. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's got to be somewhere in the middle there that's safer. You know, it's something like, I heard some dumb t- statistic, like 12 Americans a year are shot by their dog. You know, because they have a loaded gun just laying around the house. Carelessness. Yeah. And it's the carelessness that's a, a bigger problem. And yes, school shootings are a terrible, terrible thing. But if you want to talk about just shootings in general, they're they're like 0.3%. You know, violent crime. But nobody cares about black people shooting each other in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about that. They care about the white people that are getting killed. You know, so I'm not saying it's not a problem. And the way to solve it is to just make it harder for them to get a hold of them. So yes, it is a mental health issue. It's a very, it's a very difficult issue, and there's no, there is no solution. There mm-hmm. just is no solution because you, you know, you look at other countries that have more guns than us. It's a, it's a, a big part of it's a cultural thing. Yeah, you know, Canadians, Canadians have more guns per capita heritage. than we do. They just do, and they don't have any of this. Is that right? Yeah, I thought we were yeah. like far surpassed any other nation. No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, that might have changed in the past few years, but there's like there's something like two two and a half guns per person in the United States, and I think Canada's pretty close, if not more. They're too nice. This is when we need a producer. <laughs> yeah, with the check, it just chimes in. And hey, uh, Jimmy, yeah. check that. Yeah, that statistic. How um, did we end up here? I don't know. How did we end up talking? about Oh, I this? think it was just because um, I was saying how people just assume that because I'm white. And like middle aged, that I'm a Republican, mm. <laughs> and I'm just you not. feel like you get typecast yeah, or stereotype. So liberal, I'm so liberal. <sighs> yeah, well, yeah. I think it's all right to to be like because you think well, you think liberal, and then you're like, well, how could you be liberal and be a gun owner? Because those but two so those two things are not mutually you, exclusive. But I I think there's too much of a dividing line in this country. Like you could be a little bit of both. Yeah, you don't have to just be strictly this one yeah. cookie cutter thing. Yeah, it's just it's all tribalism. They, you, know? you know, it's just like I don't understand how you can be a Democrat and own a gun. It's just right. like well, because a lot of Democrats own because a gun. I'm a fucking person, you know? I take the like best... how many how many cops do you think are Democrats? <laughs> I you know? I look at it like prag- pragmatic. You know, like prag- uh, pragmatism is that a word? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like just the most logical way. Like oh, I agree with that. I don't agree with that. 
mm-hmm. agree. But who gives a shit if it's a Republican idea or a, yeah. like a Democrat idea? It's yeah. I, I don't consider myself a Democrat. I consider myself a liberal. I register as a Democrat just because in New York State I have to if I want to vote in the primary. That's the right. only reason. Well, but I would consider myself independent. Would you have voted for uh, Gary Johnson? Um, I don't know. Try Gary Johnson, right? He's a libertarian um, guy. I, libertarianism, I think, is a. It's not dangerous. It's just too much. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the NRA has to be so fucking crazy so that they'll get sixty percent of what they want done. Same thing with PETA. PETA has to be so far gone from reality that they can accomplish a little bit of what they really want. Right. You know what I mean? I think libertarianism is kind of the same way. And I mean, on paper, I would say I'm a libertarian, but I've never really supported one. Well, the um, thing is, for me, I thought that, like in the election. It was kind of a waste, wasted vote because you know yeah. realistically that guy's not gonna or girl yeah. Jill Stein yeah. isn't gonna really win. Yeah. It's it's not gonna happen. Yeah. So so and and it sucks that our system is set up that way. It really yeah. does. But you know I would have been a Bernie Sanders supporter. I like Bernie Sanders. He probably would have been the the best possible candidate to go against Trump. And I supported him. I really did. I gave money to his campaign and all of that. But. To be honest, I never thought he would ever even get the nomination, and I was right. And they fucked up because he had a, he had way more of a chance of winning than Hillary had in hindsight. But they fucked but, him too, though. Yeah. Oh, they certainly did. They he because was they he had never it had all a chance. predetermined. Yeah. Who and, they wanted. Yeah, and and that sucks. But you know, I said it in the I said, and I was wrong about this. Completely wrong about this. I said Hillary will definitely beat Trump. There's no question about it. A lot but, of people thought that. You know, um, Bernie Sanders ne- would never have a chance. I don't think that was true because a lot of Bernie supporters voted for Jill Stein. His support was strong, yeah. man. Yeah. It I really went to, I went to a bunch of rallies. Yeah. Shit like that. I mean, he yeah. Yeah, I actually got into the press corps at the one at Maris, which was super fun. <laughs> I was all about Bernie mm-hmm. and um I I did not vote for Hillary. Yeah. I'll just say that. It wouldn't have made a I difference. I didn't I didn't I I just um yeah, I don't really, I don't really talk about my political views mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. But a lot of people went from Bernie to Trump, which I find so weird <clears throat> because I think it, it was almost like they were just tired of the same bullshit yeah. in Washington, where mm-hmm. you have this fake ass politician, mm-hmm. and they just wanted something different, you know. And I get that, but <laughs> different isn't necessarily good. That's true. So that's true. But, All right, you know, man. Yeah. Um. We talked about a lot of shit. Yeah. We had a great time. Who's um, coming up on your show? So, um, like I said, this week we've got Cornbread. Cornbread. Uh, so, he is a musician. Um, so, if you're listening to this past Monday, you'll have missed the live show, but you can download us, iTunes, anywhere you get podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a local single singer, songwriter, uh, really, really talented. He's a young guy, up and coming. Uh, he's a Vassar student, so he's going to be one of the earlier performers at Creator Fest. But we tried to pack out the past few weeks of just performers. So cool. he's he's coming on there. Um, to, next week we have Dave Kurlander, who uh, he's he does uh, Canine Tactics. Oh, so sweet. yeah, he teaches. That's gonna be he, interesting. Yeah, he's he's basically uh, a dog trainer, mm-hmm. but he's got a lot of experience working with exotic animals, large animals. Um, Potentially, he's going to be doing a documentary. We may also be partnering with him for a podcast. So oh, cool. Look, look for that in the future. He's going to bring a dog to the studio? No. I'm just going to talk about dogs. Oh, cool. 
That's he'll cool, work though. with Bosch's stupid dog. <laughs> Train him <laughs> yeah, so he yeah. won't bother you yeah, during yeah. the during the show. So that's what we got coming up. But I mean, the big thing is like right now it's just Creator Fest. Creator I'm Fest. Worry Creator about Fest. Other Creator things. Fest. Yeah, it's going to be so. awesome. I can't wait for it. Um, what's the date again and the address? So and it's the details? Uh, it's the twelfth. So it's this Saturday. Um, from 12 to 6, and it's on the lawn by Crafted Cup, 46 Raymond Avenue in Poughkeepsie. Um, I think I said it from 12 to 6. Uh, yeah, so we got um, some beer from Sloop Brewing mm-hmm. that we're going to be serving. They were graciously donated a full keg for us. Mm-hmm. We've also got, uh, uh, I believe, a sour from North River Hopson Brewing. We've got some mead from Salt Point Meadery. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, a couple cases of wine, thanks to Southside Wines and Spirits in Poughkeepsie. It's going to be so, a good time, and yeah. come and see us at the Hudson Valley Transmitter booth. Mm-hmm. We'll be there. And um, is there anything else, man? Just give us money for the charity. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. a good cause. Um, what's the name of the charity again? So it's Heroic Food Inc. Hero- Very Heroic easy Inc. to find. They're on Facebook. They got a website. Yeah, just it's Google sustainable them. farming yep. for for veterans for veterans. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So giving veterans jobs, a direction to go in when you know maybe their career path. You know, maybe they didn't have one. You know, I know a lot of people who enlisted at 18 and then they had no idea what they were going to do. So it's a it's a very cool program. It's it's like a fully immersive farming program. It's really awesome. Cool. So and then it's a good uh, cause. Other than that, check out the Dead Radio podcast on YouTube. Yes. iTunes, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, biggest thing to help us out is to like and subscribe and give us a rating on iTunes. Great show. Thank Highly you. Highly recommend it. And uh, awesome talking with you, man. It's yeah, a lot of fun. You. Went in weird directions. Didn't think it was going to come No, out. it did, but uh, <laughs> it all made sense in the end. Yeah, sounds good. Now everybody thinks I'm a racist gun nut. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, at least we figured that out. During yeah, this, yeah. This at episode. least we've gotten there. Now now everyone knows. <laughs> we got it out of the way, so you don't have to hide <laughs> yeah. anymore. You don't have to be a closeted racist yeah. <laughs> gun nut. <laughs> oh, man, I hope this doesn't go viral. People are going to take all that out of context. I'm going to get fired from my job at a coffee shop. Oh, man. <laughs> You get fired from the Dead Radio podcast. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. You can't. You're you're the co-founder. No, because we have we have a uh, we have a general partnership, so it'd so. be dissolved. He'd have to he'd have to change <laughs> the name if he wanted to kick me out. <laughs> Let's hope that doesn't happen. Yeah. All right, man. Thank Good you talking to you. Yeah, this was great. Peace out, Transmodians. <laughs>